Hey guys, Christmas cracker time again. Jackson, what day today, mate? Day 18. So guys, this Christmas cracker is part two of Dungeon Junkies looking back on 2022. And this time, it's Kerry's turn. Okay. I'm going to introduce myself now for shits and giggles again. Hi, I'm still the Kerry, just like I was about half an hour ago. I don't change that rapidly. And I'm still DMing the Fall of Osha, which, um, being completely honest, in playtime is wrapping up. In episodes release time, it's, um... Yeah, my editing turnaround time is definitely something I need to work on. But hey, could be worse. <laughs> Somebody say something before I make a fool of myself. Okay. Um, when you did the arena fight, oh god, when that started to that 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 went all right, and then it went south in the course of like a round and a half. What was going through your head when we all started dropping like flies and Turg was dead in um I've already forgotten his name. That's how bad I am with remembering stuff. The um the and the tiefling was struggling as well and you still had your big bad and the caster hidden somewhere invisible. What was going through your head? But that's it. Um, my completely 100% honest answer is probably along the lines of shit, 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 shit. But also, and this is probably going to curse my combat for the rest of my career as a DM, but I maybe was a tiny bit impressed at myself that it went that way. Everything just went sideways so fast. It's, um... I believe Shard's been downed a few times in the campaign. But when the monk and the fighter were also on the floor, that's when it was a bit like, oh dear, this isn't good. And the last one standing was the witch. Um, I put a lot into that fight, to be honest with you. I'd been planning it for some time, and running it was absolutely terrifying. But I wanted to make something that was actually a challenge, because my party is pretty strong. They have pretty much every base covered. And that's terrifying, but it's also fun. Because it means you can pull out the big boys. And one of the big boys was... His actual name was Rune. He was very lovingly rechristened as Big Fuckhead. He was a raging misogynistic dickbag. So, you know... It, it was funny watching the raging misogynist dickbag get his face kicked in by a woman. I had a lot of fun running that. It was um my longest combat. It went into the ninth round, if I remember rightly, when there was only Charlie and the Sorcerer left. Charlie on about one HP, I believe. Literally one HP. It was... But, yeah... Basically, my entire thought process was shit when it started going sideways, because I wasn't expecting it to go like that. The fact Turg died had already thrown me just a little bit, but hey, the dice give up and the dice take off. Turg took a critical chain lightning. He was not going to survive that. 
I think your right. reaction to realizing that Turg was dead was almost better than any of ours. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I was just a wee bit stunned. I was like, well, shit, I've killed the NPC you're all meant to be protecting. Mm. Well, you all promised to protect. Kate, then we had an improper funeral. <laughs> as good as Caitlin's acting was for that, and it was superb. Uh, the DM being shell-shot like that, that's something I've not seen before, which is a credit to the, the combat session that you created, actually, so well done. I do think that was one of the high points of my DMing career. As I was saying, the Oshia party is incredibly strong, so I wanted something that would actually challenge them. And this was really the first combat encounter where they were actually aiming to try and kill you rather than incapacitate and story stuff takes over. These guys wanted you dead, because that was the only way they were going to get out of there. Um, <clears throat> question for you, uh, Miss Kerry, from me, is which of um, which of the, of the characters has su- surprised you most, I guess I should say? Mm. That's not me. That's not me fishing now, obviously, because I'm I'm fully aware that, as you mentioned, the fact the witch was the last one standing in, in the big fuckhead fight surprised us all. To be fair, Moira saved the day, but Moira also kill, almost kills the party on a regular basis. Let's face it. Well, yes, yeah, so that I Moira saved the day partially through blind luck. If I remember rightly, I got you to roll a d4. And you rolled a three. If you'd rolled a two or a one, it would have been over. He would have got to you because you wouldn't have done enough damage to kill him. And that's when things would have gotten really hairy. Because Charlie was back up, but she wouldn't have been back up for long. But now, characters have surprised me the most. You see, this is... I don't have just one answer to this. Because I feel like everyone's changed. Every character's done a 180 from the character they were when they first began. And this is just what I'm getting from them. Let's start with Charlie. The impression I got from Charlie when I was first given the character sheet was typical rich brat. Didn't really give a shit at first. Was just kind of going along for the hell of it. Of course, she's got her own trauma and her own reasons for doing things. But it feels like Charlie didn't really get serious with the party's mission for quite a while. That's absolutely correct. I think the moment it I think the moment that tables turned was probably was honestly probably at Turg's death. I think that was the tipping point for Charlie. Charlie's solo episode was a lot of fun to run because it gave me a bit of insight into Charlie's like skills and abilities and mindset when she's on her own. Let's see, Shard. Shard's an interesting one. Because Shard's just Shard seems to have gone along with this from the beginning. But 
Shard has also probably had the most DM shit thrown at them. You know, just being casually possessed by a spike collar, a spirit and a spike collar. That's always fun. And I feel like Shard has just started to grow slightly more feral with every passing episode now. Shard always seemed maybe not gentle at first, but the most rational of the party. And that seems to have slipped sideways quite quickly over the past few sessions that aren't out yet. Probably won't be out yet for a short while. I mean, the last... The Shard one that went up fairly recently when we're recording this gives a pretty good explanation of why Shard's gone fucking feral. Yes. By the time this goes out, the second part of Shard's solo... Which I will be completely honest, we recorded back like in April. <laughs> That's um kind of how backed up my editing pile is. It ended on a pretty blunt note. What happened to the drow? You should probably listen to it. It's not a fun ride. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mr. Bones's wild ride. <laughs> Welcome to Kerry has genuinely shook me several times over the course of her campaign. I consider that an achievement. Kerry's also the only one to genuinely creep me out with a DM decision. So, you know, step up your game. I can also consider that an achievement. I'm actually going to pop across to Moira. Moira is a bit of an enigma, I find. Obviously, being the DM, I have Moira's full deal, and I love every bit of it. It's so much fun. But what I really love is how Moira's not very forthcoming at all. So everything's always just a wee bit of a surprise when it pops up. Like, I'm sure it was quite fun. When everything was like, la-di-da, oh look, an enemy. What the fuck, Moira? She says you blinded her. Just because that's the example we always jump back to. Well, it's that and the exasperation when I was like, when did I get a long sword? That lives rent free in my head. <laughs> which I, which, um, won't have, I don't think I've come out of this point, so I'm not going to spoil it. But a long sword does make a reappearance soon. <laughs> yes. So Moira's and her long sword, Moira blinding a woman. Moira's continual insistence on throwing herself into melee range despite being a wizard. (laughs) The problem is is that I've got a lot of spells which are 30 foot or closer. (laughs) I literally have a shitpost in my phone a few images back about Moira throwing herself into melee range. It it, uh, it is accurate. It is accurate. That's the thing. Moira needs to expand um, her her distance spells and her AoE attacks, for sure. Caitlin's praying. Caitlin's going to point out the fact that you can use your part of your movement to get in range, use it, and then use the rest of your movement to get back out of range. Oh, yeah. This is what using legs are for. Oh, yeah. And Moira has very long ones. <laughs> this is actually very true. And big breasts. Yes, that's something that everyone gets to find out later. Every episode after a certain point now comes with an obligatory joke about Moira's breasts. 
<laughs> it is on the bingo card, as it were. I have to ask, why? I mean, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love Moira's unique brand of buffoonery. Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, it, it came about because of something which hasn't been released yet, so I don't want to spoil it. Um, and I just lent into it. <laughs> I just lent into it hard. <laughs> I think one of my favourite things that's going to come up in an episode released within the next few episodes is Moira's use of the arcane hand. I'm going to have so much fun finding sound effects for that. And now down to everyone's favourite Simic hybrid. There's honestly a lot I could say about Oberon. And was not playing favourites. I think he has been one of my favourites just to watch change just kind of watch, for lack of a better term, his mental health slowly deteriorate over the entirety of the campaign. Because what at the beginning, he seemed almost idealistic in his crusade. But everything has just slipped and slipped and slipped. And then he underwent some startling transformations. And then he underwent some more transformations, but that's not out yet. Oberon is quite terrifying now. I say that like he hasn't always been. But I have to ask, what inspired the tentacles? What made you make that decision? Because I'm genuinely intrigued. Uh, <clears throat> what uh, inspired the tentacles is with the Simic hybrid, it's always that they're crossed with a creature. And when I first started uh, going with Oberyn, I like the first thing, the you know underwater adaptation, but the one of the other choices right away was tentacled appendages. But I was like, that doesn't really make sense for the character that Oberyn was. But by the time we were getting to higher levels, and I decided to forego uh, Oberyn's magic completely, it just made sense. And I always envisioned that Oberyn was probably crossed with like a vampire squid or something of that nature. So that eventually, because with the hands and having the vampiric touch for a while, it just seemed like a general progression that more arms would grow as the mutations kept permutating. I don't know if that makes sense. Happening. As the fucking mutations kept happening. I have to admit, when I first got the DM about adding Oberon's tentacles... I've still got the picture in my phone somewhere. And the image I was sent was horrifying. But it was also one of those things. It's like, I am disgusted, but also intrigued. <laughs> Tell me more. Oprah is the definition of feral now. Yes. I think... One of... It's kind of slotting into the whole, like, Oberon seems to be slowly losing his mind. But then there was the Oberon solo episode, where he's just had a very 
I'm probably going to pronounce this word wrong because, you know, I learned all my words by reading and not talking to people. Is it familial? Like a family relationship? Yeah, familial relationship with Kendra. That was always very wholesome to me. But, well, things sure do happen and things sure do change. And the worst part of this is I have to keep saying, but that's something that hasn't come out yet. So I don't really know if that answered Matt's question because it kind of rambled here, there, everywhere and all over the place. I think so. I think it is. Yeah. I'm good. All right. Uh, first of all, with also the fall of Oshia, you know, coming close to the end, if not by the end, by the time this actually drops, who knows? What will be the one moment for each of your characters that lives rent-free in your head forever and ever? Okay. I think for Charlie, it's not my favorite moment, but it's just something that I will always remember. In the first episode, Charlie almost killing Moira by punching her in the arm. Not even out of like a genuine attack. I think it was more Charlie was just angry and punched Moira in the arm. And Moira having about like 10 HP or something at that point nearly died. <laughs> like it might have been closer to 8 HP. <laughs> um, Let's see. A lot of these seem to be related to violence, unfortunately. <laughs> um... Shard is probably Shard bitch slapping Oberyn in the military base when the two of them started having a suffering contest. <laughs> and Oberyn just didn't even react. I actually just looked back on that page of notes because uh, shout out to the notes, uh, the episode that isn't out yet. I don't know if he'll cut it out either. But Oberyn wasn't in the room when Charlie locked themselves into the oven. But they did have to go back through the crematorium later, where Oberyn then burnt a whole bunch of horns. But Oberyn was not in there when Charlie locked themselves in there. But, yes, in my notes, it also has Oberyn fights with Moira. About two sentences later, Oberyn fights with Shard. That could be any episode of my campaign. <laughs> ah, yes, thank God Shard didn't see Oberyn bun burning a bunch of tiefling horns. That could have been terrible. <laughs> see, Moira. Moira, Moira, Moira. Sounds a bit like favouritism, right? <laughs> Almost every time Moira does something on screen, it's like, I'm never going to forget that. Time I tried to set some, I tried to electrocute an abomination in seawater. There's that one. The one I really want to go for isn't out yet, so you're gonna have to cut this out. It's the part where Moira. <laughs> and I was like, should I lean into this? Should I lean into it? And then they turn around and go. <laughs> and watching Caitlin die on camera. <laughs> that that will always live rent free in my head, but you know that's not out yet. So that... I'm going. I think I'm going to go with Moira not understanding basic conduction. And I'm not talking about the seawater this time. I'm talking about the armpits. 
electrocuting Oberyn as well. Oh, yes. yes. I still have the clip on my phone. And it is one of my favourite things in the world to listen to. Chad gets sounding genuinely angry <laughs> that Matt forgot how conduction works. Chad gets... I, I genuinely think, and Chad, you can confirm or deny this, uh, every time as Moira, I open my mouth, you just get more and more angry. And I'm not sure if that's Chad... Or if that's over, <laughs> I have lost the distinction at that point. Yeah, potato, potato. So, so it's all the same, you know. It's it's that every time Moira opens her mouth, it is always to put her foot directly into it. And Oberyn at this point has said exactly his piece, but Moira just keeps just keeps needling, just keeps needling. And then we'll have their own breakdown and then relies on Oberyn or the rest of the party to push them through it. So Oberyn just, Oberyn's just done. Fair. Now onto the man himself. There's a lot of Oberyn moments I could pick. But I think thing. I'm slightly cheating for this one because it's more a collection of small moments where Oberyn seems almost vulnerable. It was largely the small moments like finding Kindra in the house when she was dying. It's just those small little cracks in the facade. I think those stay with me because they show what a truly rounded character he is. And again, I could be reading it completely wrong, but that's just what I'm getting from it. You nailed it. You nailed the DM. Good job. Thank you. But yes, those are the moments that live rent-free in my head. Uh, well, uh, my question. Oh. oh yeah, I was going to say I had my second question as well. I didn't know if you want to go first, Caitlin. Oh okay. How many of the of the DMPCs that we adopted did you originally have planned either to immediately die? Or to never be seen again? Like, was Turg meant to come back originally? I know Kendra wasn't meant to be a long-form character. That was just meant to be a cat. Yes, Oberyn just kidnapped someone's cat one day. That's how Kendra started. Okay. There was always going to be a 50-50 chance that Turg died in the tsunami. Because, you know, Larton was basically in the direct line of fire. The initial wave was 164 feet tall. Larton wasn't that high above sea level. So obviously the entire village was just destroyed. But I have to come clean. My method of episode planning is a little bit chaotic. As in, I make myself notes. We never stick to the notes. (laughs) And then... Sometimes it's just, well, let's just try this and see what happens. I think when I first started The Fall of Osia, the story was entirely different. I had a different end goal in mind. I had a different storyline. It was very slapdash, and I genuinely hate my campaign up until about the sixth or seventh episode. 
Like, it's all awful. I wish I could just wipe all that and start again. But that's what hindsight's for, I guess. Technically, Nathaniel was never meant to appear again. So I completely changed the story. And I think it was Matt I asked. It's like, can you just add random things to people's backstories that they never knew about? I believe my answer was yes. Being yeah. very, very realizing I've just opened the door to my own backstory, having more stuff thrown into it. <laughs> okay. That was admittedly because I didn't have very much backstory. So I was like, you blinded this woman. Mm-hmm. But I've got Moira's whole story now, and it's all cool, and I love every bit of it. And I will stand by what I said. Moira is an enigma. She's not a. She's not an elf. She is a force. Hate the spoilers. Hinge <laughs> just sad. In I want to know. <laughs> well, you will at some point. I always felt bad that Moira's backstory stuff is quite slow burn and I mean like really slow burn but we will get there in the end hopefully I don't think Nathaniel's sort of the exception but even then he doesn't totally fit not many if any of my NPCs were really meant to disappear into the ether and never return so, now that I've answered your question in, in the most meandering way possible. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, then I have my second question, which is the personal one. Who was your favorite character, NPC, or whatever else bad guy that you've gotten to play over the course of this whole year? I think everyone already knows my answer, but I'm going to say it anyway. The best boy, the sparkly one. It's always going to be Virion. Virion is my baby boy. I have literally written, I can literally now say I have written a novel about this character. It's currently up to about 53,000 words and I haven't even covered his entire story yet because that's the thing about elves, they live a very long time. I'm currently flashing out all the bits that revolve around Taran though because you know, that's always fun. It's always fun to me because obviously we have Ulfhan Taran. And because I'm writing out the whole backstory, I've also got pre-death Taran. Which I'd expect a massive wad of like sections any day now. Bedtime reading for if you ever get bored enough. I'm better say bedtime with Cooper, surely. <laughs> I have a lot of fun playing Virion. And, you know, I'm going to stop there before I end up rambling for the next 10 minutes about it. That's the point of this Christmas cracker, is to get all all the ramblings out, so. I mean, there's been an immense amount of trauma in North Farm this year. And despite that, I can ramble about what I want. I won't go into too much detail because that would spoil it for the people that listen to this. But uh, trust me. Real tears were shed at one point. And I don't believe I was the only one. <laughs> I've just been threatened by the other person. <laughs> okay, but I think one of my favourite things, because it was just carnage, 
was Virian and Wyatt doing buddy cop stuff. We did amazing detective work. Our detective work is second to none. And it all stopped because I was ended up looking at the map and going, Matt, we can't read. And the worst, <laughs> the worst part is, is that why is a detective? Which is <laughs> true. But Matt is not. <laughs> <laughs> Just the entire section of us running around Ganymede, like, where's this thing? Is it this way? Is it this way? No, we just can't read basic fucking English, apparently. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Wyatt diving headfirst into an old lady's breasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will never let him forget that. No, no, that, that's up there for sure. I mean, <laughs> Caitlin's very glad they weren't there that day. It was a lot of fun, though. I did feel the eye roll just now as well. <laughs> I mean, that was that was an episode where I think there was some Latin in it, and Chad was very glad I wasn't there because I could translate. Yes. Yes. The point was for you to be there, and then you not being there made a decision for everyone that made a lot of other decisions that led yes, to other things down the know road. Now. So. <laughs> I made the mistake of moving into my flat as a grown adult. So I was no. away for two weeks and this is what happens. The uh, the really weird thing is, is that looking back, bearing in mind, uh, peek behind the curtain, this is no, no story outside of school here. We are using Zoom to, to record all of these episodes. I have, a, I have a web browser here. I could have Googled a Latin to English dictionary. I mean, most of us keep our phones on our desk as well, so... I didn't think to do that. <laughs> I didn't try to do it because it felt like cheating. Maybe so, but I sort of thought like, I would I didn't think about doing it. We, it hasn't been out for a while, so I'm comfortable saying... The fact that Wyatt literally dragged the sparkly elf around Ganymede to a church, to to a fucking supermarket. But we got kicked out for loitering. For loitering. I mean, honestly, I would 10 out of 10 do buddy cop slash detective stuff again. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, I think it was the start of a wonderfully chaotic friendship. It, it was. It was. It was. It, it, there's been so many amazing bits of clusterfuckery this year. Virion's had a put up a lot. Yes. Yes, he has. <laughs> and where things stand right now, it's probably not going to improve anytime soon. Yeah. Honestly, I'm here for it. I love it. But yeah, I mean, in fairness, who can honestly say that they didn't think I would have picked Bavarian? But that's it. That's what I have to say. Well, for now. Thank you to everybody who listened this year. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, too. We're out of here. We're out. Peace. Goodbye. Goodbye.